What's the private equity deal-making and fundraising outlook in the DAH region in 2024? What deals are filling up the pipeline waiting to get done in the next 12 months? And what does Holger Kleingarn, Managing Director at Mid-Market Investor HIG Capital, make of the challenges and opportunities in the current market? We'll be discussing all this and more in today's episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast by Merger Market. Hello, listener, and welcome to this new episode of the Unquote Private Equity Podcast by Merger Market. My name's Harriet Matthews. I'm funds editor at Merger Market, and I'll be your host for today. In this episode, we'll be aiming to bring you the inside track on the private equity market in the DAH region, looking at how buyout, dealmaking and fundraising has been holding up in the face of macro challenges and what's to come in 2024. We'll be speaking to HIG's Holger Kleingarn later on in the episode to get his take on the market. But to kick things off, I'm pleased to welcome from Berlin, Merger Markets DAH Bureau Chief Patrick Costello. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Hey, morning, Harriet. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Great to have you here. I wondered if, Patrick, you could give a bit of an overview of what merger market data is showing us around deal flow in the the DAH region in the year to date. How is it holding up and how does it compare with recent years? Yeah, thanks, Harriet. Yeah, so the data, I think, as you would expect, shows that there's been kind of a downturn in deal-making activity in the DAH region. I mean, as we've seen across much of Europe this year. Um, which is not surprising given the kind of macro environment we're operating in. Um, and that's kind of across the board for the sectors too. They've all taken a bit of a hit this year. And um, same goes for sponsor activity. So I've got some of the numbers for that in front of me. So across the DAC region this year, buyouts have amounted to a disclosed 18 billion euros this year, kind of year to date. And that's across 156 deals. And that compares with kind of 27 billion euros worth of buyouts for all of 2022. So that's a pretty substantial dip there. Um, and the 2022 numbers were across 164 deals. So the deal count is actually pretty stable year on year. And the same would go for exits. They've come down not as much as the buyouts, but there's been about 7 billion euros worth of exits in the dock region this year across 44 deals. And that compares to 11 billion through all of 2022 across 51 deals. Um, yeah, so again, the deal count is actually holding up pretty well. It's just the disclosed volumes have taken kind of a substantial downturn. Yeah, interesting. Makes sense, I suppose. Um, you know, some of those larger deals were obviously missing or, you know, haven't managed to get over the line in the circumstances we've been we've been experiencing this year. And um, I mean, I'll, I'll give a bit of an overview of the the fundraising as well. Um, obviously, private equity deal flow in the DAH regions come, you know, it comes from a lot of sponsors who are not necessarily based in the DAH region. If we look at our figures, yeah, exactly. If we look at our figures for um, general funds, buyout funds that target DAH as a target geography, um, 159 billion euros out of the 165 billion euros raised for buyout funds in Europe in the year to date could target the DAH region. So, you know, that's a reason to be positive about the amount of dry powder that could be, um, you know, stepping up to to back some of the deal flow we're seeing next year. 
But if we think about just the kind of uh, DAH headquartered, um, DAH dedicated um, GPs, of which there are, you know, obviously quite a a decent kind of cohort. Um, In the year to date in 2023, we've seen 2.7 billion euros raised across just five vehicles. Now, this is, of course, year to date. Those figures could be topped up a little bit by a few more disclosed fundraisers in the final few months of this year. But looking at our, our data, I have to go back to let's see 2015 to find figures that were sort of anywhere near what we've seen so far that was 2.9 billion euros raised across seven vehicles and as I said this could pick up but we need to think a bit about how the PE market has changed since 2015 as well it was just simply smaller at that point. We didn't have as many managers in the DAH region moving out of their sort of lower mid-market, mid-market bracket, topping a billion euros with their fundraisers. So I think it's just it's just an indication of the fact that fundraising is difficult because, you know, um, you, Patrick, and our listeners will be aware these low figures, they don't mean fundraising has stopped. They just mean that, uh, you know, it's harder for sponsors to close their funds. It's essentially taking longer. So we're not seeing those first or interim or final closes necessarily coming through in our figures. So that's a quick kind of fundraising um, outlook, um, I suppose. And we know there's managers due to come to market in 2024, of course. Um, People like uh, Capiton have told Merger Market that that's uh, potentially on the horizon for them. And I wonder, Patrick, what that kind of means or how does that line up with with the sentiment you're getting for 2024? What would you say the the overall picture is from the, the sources you're speaking to? Yeah, I think it largely aligns with that at this point. Um, I, I mean, I, the year is almost over, but I think the the sentiment on the ground in Doc, when I speak to advisors and my sources, is that um, the last few weeks of the year are going to be pretty quiet. So everyone's eyes are kind of turned on to 2024. I mean, I think a lot of people coming into 2023 from last year, people kind of came in with a long list of situations that they expected were going to hit the market. And some of those did eventually, those transactions did happen and these processes are ongoing. But a lot of these assets that, um, especially that are sponsored back, still haven't hit the market. So I think, you know, that the list of the pipeline that people had for this year, a lot of it is still intact for next year. And it's gotten even longer now because now you have all the the 2024 companies that people had always expected were going to come next year or the year after. Um, so I think the, the the backlog and the to-do list is is pretty long as we're going to the new year. Yeah, makes sense. And um, I wondered, did you want to highlight any um, processes that are kind of ongoing that merger markets reporting on or any from that kind of list uh, that we're, you know, maybe expecting to see come through next year? I think the mid-market is where much of the action is happening in Germany at the moment, which maybe in, I mean, in general, I think Germany is a mid-market kind of market, but um, you know, these other assets that's kind of connected to, which is an IT kind of services company backed by Aurelius, that auction has been ongoing and seems to be progressing nicely. Um, also GGW, which is kind of an insurance platform backed by HG, that's also kind of in the, I think the second rounds at this point, but um, those are, when I speak to sources, those are among the kind of assets that people are really eyeing keenly. Um, and in terms of next year, I think the the interesting thing is that there's a lot of kind of really big large cap situations that are going to hit the market. I mean, the large cap has been pretty quiet, I think, across Europe, but in Germany in particular, this year it's been really slow. Um, and things above kind of the 10 million euro enterprise EV kind of range, we're just not really seeing that at the moment. Um, next year, though, there's a couple of big, really big assets that are expected to hit the market. So, I mean, they've been talked about forever also. I mean, DB Schenker backed by Deutsche Bahn. 
that's been on people's radar for probably three years at this point. But that allegedly is going to come in 2024. I mean, we've, we've written about this extensively as well. There's a couple of PE-backed consortia who have already assembled who are kind of circling the you know, the company even before it comes to market. And then Stata is the other big one that we've also written about, um, backed by Bain and Sinbin. That's also tipped to kind of be a, maybe possibly a dual track process next year. Um, so that's definitely another one to watch and that people are going to be paying close attention to. Yeah, fascinating. No, thanks. Thanks for sharing that, Patrick. Um, I think with that, we'll uh, take a listen to our interview with Holger from HIG. And then Patrick and I will be back with you after that to discuss some key takeaways. Just a quick briefing on Holger Kleingarn for those of our listeners who might not be familiar with him. He is a managing director at HIG and he is head of their Hamburg office. He has more than 20 years of experience in the private equity industry and I spoke to him about his outlook for the DAH region and what HIG expects to be doing in 2024. Holger, welcome to the Unquote Private Equity Podcast. It's great to have you with us today. Great. Thank you, Harriet. Uh, looking forward for our discussion. Yes, me too. Now, I wondered if you could kick off by just giving a bit of a summary, you know, for our listeners that maybe aren't uh, kind of on the ground and completely au fait with what's happening in the DAH region of what kind of challenges dealmakers are facing at the moment there, particularly when it comes to the macro environment. I think, Harriet, it's a good and right question uh, to, to begin with. Um, let us keep in mind uh, that uh, we had the COVID outbreak uh, outbreak four years ago, uh, and since then we are basically in a form of a poly crisis. Um, and and then especially in in Germany, we've also now seen four quarters of really slow growth um, or even recessionary uh, trends. Um, so the environment is a is a challenging one uh, as we uh, as we all see right now. And if we look a bit broader, I think what we what we miss in in Germany is supporting factors like um, a growth from China, uh, which has been uh, slowing down. You clearly see an impact uh, on um, from the U.S. side, where production is brought back into the U.S. and not in uh, in Germany anymore. And then looking at at, at Europe um, in general. We, we, we have a continent which, which is having uh, high debt levels. Um, and we even have uh, military actions uh, close by right now. So it's an environment uh, which uh, I must say is, is challenging, um, as of now. Looking, looking a, a bit deeper into, uh, into Germany. I mean, we, we, we see the, the topics that we continue to have tight labor markets, um, where working hours, um, are limited. Um, we have energy costs, which are uh, overproportionately high right now. We continue to see um, administrative burdens for businesses. Um, and we also have uh, certain political uh, challenges um, where um, the government um, has some, some issues to uh, show a clear direction where we uh, all want to move to. And, and combining that, and I don't want to make the list too long, actually, but uh, combining that uh, with interest rates, uh, which you see in, in our uh, LBO and uh, transaction business uh, being more at the 10% uh, plus uh, level, 
Um, limited growth and some inflation, I think all that uh, puts uh, puts pressure on the sentiment right now. Um, so we do have and continue to have um, a challenging environment. Yes, definitely. I uh, I remember starting to cover the Dach region back in 2019, and people were saying to me there, you know, uh, private equity players, well, that is, you know, we're kind of trying to not necessarily recession-proof the portfolio, but very much kind of prepare for a downturn. But I don't think anyone could have quite predicted what would have happened since then. And particularly, as you say, some of the kind of geopolitical factors are are impacting the, the DAH region and, and the DAH economy in particular. So yeah, thank you for that, for that summary, Holger. Um, you know, private equity obviously is is generally kind of looking to find um to find opportunities and and particularly in crisis i think the people within the private equity industry are known to be quite quite resilient i suppose so i wondered you know you've given the kind of list of of the challenges but can you tell me a bit about what opportunities some of these maybe present for uh for private equity and maybe for for hig in particular if you can Yes, yes, clearly. I, I mean, generally, every every crisis uh, bears opportunities, right? Uh, and uh, these are moments of of change or dynamics. Uh, and for for private equity, these are also opportunities uh, to buy uh, with uh, interesting uh, situations uh, or attractive valuations. So let's let's uh, look at it uh, on the positive way um, and look at the opportunities. What I see is in general that private equity backed companies are normally really well equipped for, for stormy times. As you, you see clear governance frameworks they operate under, um, normally there are clear strategic directions where the business moves to and private equity naturally gives you a clear focus on cash, cash flow, cash generation. So all in all, um, private equity portfolios are more resilient uh, in in difficult times. So it, it's it's a good good starting point um, which we uh, which we see. I think for for HIG and and us and and we clearly uh, monitor our portfolio uh, tightly. Generally, we say we are even better in uncertain times, and that is driven by a high flexibility which we have in the investment approach. Given our uh, size and scope of our organization, we are able to deal with difficult uh, and different uh, situations. Um, and we have a high level of uh, knowledge in-house in the investment team, but also in our operating partner group, where we can uh, deal with uh, situations in companies, um, look at the opportunities which arise from there, uh, and uh, move businesses forward. If you then additionally look at uh, us and HIG as a group, we have uh, different pockets of uh, of capital, right? We we have capital which is focused on on growth. We have capital which is focused uh, on LBO structures. We have capital which focuses infrastructure investments, um, or we have debt instruments uh, in our group. So what we can do is finding the right pockets um, for uh, the uh, situations we see in the market and apply the right type of capital uh, to those, which gives us a high flexibility uh, generally uh, in the market. Let, let me also, Harriet, look a bit more uh, to, to Germany as, as we cover Dach and, and, and Germany in, in our podcast here. Um, and for example, on, on the equity side, uh, what we see is actually massive inflow of, of deal opportunities, um, even more than uh, than before. 
because many people think about succession uh, in, in the country. We have many family-owned businesses, which have seen now several years of crisis and think about finding new homes or, or ownerships for the businesses. We also see corporates uh, covering carve-out situations where they uh, clean up and optimize their portfolio um, and try to, to sell off um, uh, non-core uh, units. Um, and generally, uh, we, we also see more special situations um, because times are uh, tough and uh, sometimes um, uh, new equity or fresh ideas are needed. So we see actually massive, uh, massive deflow right now. Um, and are able to cover uh, cover those situations uh, in a better way because we are flexible uh, of dealing uh, of dealing with them. La last but not least, uh, for for uh, us in in Germany, um, I see actually uh, a strong situation in the classical LBO market where you uh, deploy um, uh, leverage uh, also to uh, to optimize um, returns because what we see is uh, valuations coming down. So sellers have have uh, understood that uh, times are different. Um, sellers are becoming more realistic uh, on what they would like to have uh, for their business in terms of valuation. And if you're then able to uh, to also obtain solid bank financing, which we we do given our good and strong banking relationships, you find uh, attractive uh, LBO opportunities at attractive prices. So all in all, I think it's it's a it's a rather interesting environment we're seeing. If we can react flex flexible to different situations, um, and it's rather focusing on the right opportunities right now than seeing opportunities in general. I see. And you've mentioned a few kind of deal types and, and situations that are driving deal flow, but I wonder what that means for your outlook for 2024. And can you maybe specify, you know, where you're seeing that stronger deal flow in terms of um, sectors or business models? I know HIG has a lot of experience in um, kind of broadly industrials. You've also done deals in Germany in the uh, communications or sort of telecoms type um, infrastructure space as well. So where, you know, wh where are those pockets of interesting deal flow for, for the next year or so, would you say? I think the easy way would uh, would be to say 24 will be better than 23, <laughs> but starting from a from a uh, actually quite in the market quite low uh, deal flow uh, right now it it will be better let's put it uh, this way uh, first um but uh, it it will also be a year i think where the business comes uh, back to normal uh, and if if i look having been in the industry for a long time look at where where i started um money and borrowing is not for free anymore which means uh, you have to focus more on operational value creation. We have to focus on cash generation, delivering of businesses, topics like core competencies, uh, adjacent sectors or geographies, all that which is the, the classical um, and historic way to create value will become more important in 24 if you compare it to 21, 22 or times before that. But but I, I'm pretty uh, pretty sure um, that the market uh, will uh, pick up uh, more and uh, and and bear attractive opportunities. But uh, being a bit more specific, so what what do we look at and and what do we like as as HIG in the in the German market? 
I think there's an overall, and I, I pick some of, of those we, we, we focus on and where we also have portfolio companies right now. I, I think there's a massive need uh, of building digital or new infrastructures uh, in, in Germany. Uh, you might have heard uh, all the discussions about fiber networks, 5G uh, communication, uh, electronic grid uh, buildup. So all that, uh, all that infrastructure uh, services uh, which you need to uh, to build that uh, for Germany is highly attractive for us. And and we, for example, uh, own a company in that space, fast growing very well positioned uh, called Infratech Comcross uh, Group, which is building these next generation infrastructures um, uh, for the country. Um, it's a 20 billion market uh, you're operating in uh, and, and massive uh, investment and consolidation potential. So infrastructure services is one of these schemes uh, uh, which we which we follow. We, we also like um, the whole healthcare uh, services and product sector. Uh, simply driven from the fact that we have aging populations, we, we're getting higher standards uh, for for people, um, and we we for example own a portfolio company called Myra, which is uh, providing mobility services for for aging populations. Um, well growing, very resilient um, space. So healthcare is clearly one of these long term uh, drivers we uh, we like. What I also to 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 name one or two more of these uh, pockets which we which we like in the market, I think the labor relocation and reallocation I call it is is interesting, because what you need to do is bringing the right people uh, to the right jobs in the right areas, um, especially in blue collar, uh, which which we which we lack more and more in the country. So we like the whole staffing thesis um, uh, and uh, allocation of work thesis. We own a company called Office People, for example, a highly growing, very fragmented market uh, and uh, helping companies uh, to have um, uh, the right people and stuff um, at the right uh, right moments. But also one more uh, perhaps to, to mention that there's special topics uh, like sports or esports or gaming, which are growing. We have a business called Sport5, which uh, is dealing with uh, sport rights and hospitality. Um, which is a, a nicely growing sector, um, uh, also in esports, uh, interesting for us. So you're finding these uh, these pockets of of interest uh, in a, in a country which uh, which isn't massively growing um, in general and hasn't been uh, historically. But you're finding these pockets of of growth uh, and uh, sustainable um, uh, sustainable uh, sectors. Let, let, let me let me mention one or two more, if if I if I may, um, because we we're looking at that uh, systematically. Obviously, the whole automation of business processes uh, is clearly very interesting. Germany is very advanced in industrial uh, services and processes, uh, much much more than many other uh, countries. And if you now add an uh, artificial intelligence layer uh, to those automation processes. Wonderful, um, wonderful area to invest into and real competitive advantage uh, Germany, uh, Germany has. We, we, we like topics uh, also around uh, climate uh, and ESG, like energy efficiency. We like energy storage. Uh, we, we like the whole reusage of products. So everything which is sustainable, which we also see as a long term uh, trend is, is very attractive for us here in, uh, in the market. 
And so all in all, Harriet, what, what I see is an uptick uh, to our industry in 24. Uh, I actually see a, a good uh, segments of, of growth and value. Um, so uh, I'm 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 here on the on the positive side and and say let's let's make the best uh, out of it uh, and and focus on the right areas, um, which uh, will give us good deal opportunities. Yes, absolutely, and a really interesting broad range of areas there as well that that you're obviously considering at, at HIG for you know new new deals and, and portfolio development. In terms of exits, you know, we, we've spoken quite a lot about new deals, but I'd be interested to get your your take on sort of broadly how how private equity um, and you know in the DAH region is approaching exits in the current environment. You know, the IPO window is obviously largely shut, and it can still be hard to get deals over the line um, where there's a kind of you know buyer and seller price expectation gap i know you it sounds like in, in certain areas you feel that that's changing a bit but you know broadly how are you seeing the market approach exits faced with some of these challenges i i think ipo is, is always and has always been there's a window of ipo opening and it's closing again so it's one one uh, one particular route to exit um, but the the more flexible and broader you are uh, the better it is right uh, it, as, as a first uh, statement um, but but uh, second, uh, in general, I mean, we clearly see and monitor a, a, a growing portfolio um, within the private equity communities. Um, and uh, at one stage, uh, PE companies need to exit. Uh, so so there will be more, uh, more 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 deal flow. There will be exits, which is good. And also from the LP side, uh, the, the DPI uh, ratio is clearly very important. So people and and our LPs need to see. Um, money flowing back into their pockets. So exits will will happen. But exits are, and I've been 20 years in the industry, exit, I'm always saying, is more an art than a science, uh, but you need the science uh, to get it uh, to get it done as, as well. And uh, I'd say let's let's simply take me. How do I approach uh, exits? And uh, we, we also obviously have companies in exit, uh, and how do we select them? And, and uh, how, how do you approach that? So what I think, first of all, and, and more important than ever, only bring a company to exit with, which has a very solid financial profile now and going forward. So you need to have a business which continues to live, to deliver good current trading, which meets budget, uh, which meets uh, um, the expectations they have uh, themselves. Because exit processes might take longer in those days, um, and uh, you 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 do not want to see uh, falling LTM uh, numbers uh, or the like. So first of all, the financial profile and outlook has to be really strong. Um, uh, otherwise, you, you shouldn't bring uh, companies to exit. The second thing, which 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 I often see, uh, not not making right is um, uh, to have realistic value expectations because it's a time where you can hope for an outlier uh, on valuation but you shouldn't bank on it so if if you if you go to market with a realistic uh, price range you would like to achieve um, it mass massively increases uh, probability of uh, of success and then the question is who who buys the businesses if if you have a company which has strategic interest plus uh, private equity interest, and you find banks uh, being willing to uh, to finance um, the transaction or the company going forward, that's a very good starting point. 
if one or, or several of those uh, factors uh, aren't there, it, it simply decreases probability to, uh, to success. So a broad uh, range of, of buyers being interested. And then ultimately, if, if you go through a, a process um, and things might get uh, wobbly on, on one side or the other, which in those days uh, sometimes happens, basically, um, you need to have a certain flexibility in, uh, in your deal structure. And, and you can always support uh, the, the buyer, um, if it's private equity, to roll a certain piece of, of the equity, or you can uh, give some support on financing with vendor notes or the like, if needed, um, uh, to ultimately facilitate a transaction and make it attractive for uh, for buyer and, uh, and seller, basically. Um, like I said, I, I repeat, it's an art uh, and a science, but but rather an art. Um, and if if you, as, as a house or as an individual, uh, have sold uh, good companies to the market historically. Um, you get a good credibility also as a starting point. People see that you build good companies and these companies develop well. And the reputational uh, topic also um, is, I think, very helpful because um, the market uh, puts more trust into you selling um, businesses, um, which also increases uh, the probability of, uh, of success. So I'd say, Harriet, all in all, um, even if times aren't perfect, perhaps, but good companies find uh, attractive uh, buyers for, for good valuation, really good companies with tail, tailwinds from the current market environment with high strategic uh, interest um, allow you to get really good exits uh, done as you did before. Um, so I, I think if you're selective uh, in, in, uh, in deciding which company to sell, uh, you can make good results right now and um, uh, and deliver uh, to LPs and yourself what uh, you you uh, like to do. Absolutely, yeah. I think that that kind of uh, that advice and that approach is going to be even more important going into twenty twenty four when a lot of exits need to to happen after a period of of lower activity. So yeah, really really interesting insights there. Thank you for for sharing that, Holger. Um, now, lastly, you know, obviously we've spoken about quite a few of the the challenges um, that are, you know, being that are, that are current to to the DAH region. But I wanted to ask you, you know, you've got a lot of experience in the industry. Um, let's try and kind of end on a positive note, I suppose. What what makes you optimistic about the current environment, and and maybe more broadly about you know where the private equity industry is is heading as as a whole? Yes, yes, clearly. And I, I mean, I've been, as you said, twenty plus years in the industry, and I remain very optimistic. And GPs are and have to be optimistic. Let's put it as a as a starting point, but also realistic of what is achievable and when to achieve it. But uh, experience helps, I, I would say, in, in, in these in environments. And uh, we have covered a lot of the opportunities uh, before. Um, so I will clearly uh, end the year uh, and uh, go into next year uh, on a positive, uh, a positive note. Well, what, what I would say is, in general, private equity is, is a well-established investment class uh, as, as you see it. And it's it's uh, well differentiated, and and so LPs uh, find uh, those um, pockets of uh, risk and return they, they 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 look for. They are well informed on data and and historic um, successes and and uh, return criteria. So I think private equity is given the the maturity and also the transparency which you have in the industry. Um, uh, an attractive um, area where to where to invest into uh, and get to the returns um, which you uh, which you project uh, going forward. 
What I've also seen in in, in the the 20-year journey, uh, so to speak, are that uh, the the good players uh, are there to stay um, and they are getting better because they have more scale and scope. Uh, and uh, generate uh, better and safer returns on on average. And and given the maturity, um, you, you have these these players uh, and uh, private equity uh, firms where you can clearly uh, bank on. I think if if I look at HIG and 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 why are we uh, so optimistic uh, also on the years to uh, to come? Um, we we clearly see more deal flow than uh, than ever, uh, given the broad platform which we which we apply. We have many channels to get uh, deal flow and opportunities uh, into uh, into the group, uh, and then find the right um, uh, areas uh, which which invest uh, into uh, into into the deal flow. So there's there's more coming in, uh, and we can select well um, which which uh, area of our business um, can can deal with the situation. Um, I, I think we have identified uh, many interesting sectors. I've, I've talked about uh, some and important ones uh, of those. So we, we know what, what we look for and, and we also know what we do not look for. So the um, selection um, in times of high deal flow um, is very important. Uh, and so selecting um, the, the right opportunities to focus on uh, clearly gives us an, uh, an advantage. Um, and and also what I what I see right now, um, it's in 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 times like like ours, um, people go to partners they trust and they have seen for a long time as being reliable. Uh, also in the, in the stormy uh, times, uh, and also being reliable in in being able to deliver a transaction and uh, and finally close, which is uh, important. And so if you're a trusted brand uh, with trusted relationships as, as we at HIG have in the market, um, it clearly gives, an, it gives us an advantage uh, and people approach us often um, because they want to uh, find a good solution and home for, for their businesses, um, which actually makes it in, in more difficult times even better uh, for us uh, right now. So, so all in all, if you ask me, uh, how, how do I look uh, forward? Uh, I'm I'm very confident that we continue to see attractive opportunities uh, as we have seen uh, in history, even a bit better than uh, in in the easy times. Uh, as I as I say, um, I'm I'm very sure that um, the vintages we see right now are the more attractive ones if you uh, if you invest into those. Um, so I, I think we see good returns going forward, uh, and uh, as I said, uh, look positively and optimistic. Uh, into uh, into 24. Yes, and that that um selectivity I think is going to be important and and it sounds from my conversations with other market participants like that's something LPs are, are going to be looking at as well really clearly knowing what you're doing, what you're not doing when you're faced with this kind of, you know, what people are hopefully seeing as a kind of inbound wall of of deal flow next year. I think that's exactly exactly right and and uh, the, the broad platform uh, allows you uh, to uh, to play that uh, solid and positively uh, in the market. So I'm absolutely uh, agreeing to you um, that that is uh, very supportive. Well, thank you, Holger, very much for taking the time to speak to me. It's been really fascinating to, uh, you know, kind of get get inside the, the mind of, um, you know, you and HIG in the DAH region in the current market. So thank you for your time.
Thank you again to Holger for taking the time to join me on the podcast. It was a really interesting overview, I thought, of the kind of mindset HIG has at the moment, the kind of deals and opportunities it's expecting to come up in the DAH region, particularly in terms of uh, potential succession solutions and corporate disposals. And I think also, Patrick, you know, Holger and I spoke about exits and very much got the same impression um, as as you have, I think, in terms of looking at what's in the M&A pipeline, that there's a lot that kind of is uh, is on the list, so to speak, for, for 2024. Um, what did you think? Any um, Anything that kind of particularly stood out to you about the conversation there? You know, I think Holger made a lot of good points. I would and largely agree with a lot of what he said, um, particularly, again, as I mentioned earlier about the PE-backed exits and kind of how there's a lot in stock for that next year. I like he um, also pointed out a lot of the different sectors that people are paying attention to. Um, so you mentioned tech is kind of one area and kind of anything to do with digitization and automation. Um, so any kind of companies focused on that are going to be kind of hotly watched next year, That's which is also something I'm hearing from people in the market. Um, so the tech sector, I think, in particular, could be really busy in dock next year. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting was that he mentioned healthcare services, because that's an area that's been really slow this year in Germany. We've also written about this before. Um, I mean, I think it depends on the niche within healthcare services, but kind of these facility-based um, care providers, you know, the nursing homes, the hospitals, kind of the outpatient services, they've been really, really slow in Germany this year because of kind of regulatory uncertainty, which Berger Market has written about this earlier in the year. Um, and a few people have pointed that out to me that that's usually healthcare is kind of a reliable source of deal flow in Germany, even when the market's not going so well. And we haven't had that this year because of kind of some of this, the macro uncertainties, but also for political reasons. Um, so I thought it was interesting that Holger mentioned that healthcare could be another bright spot next year. Yeah, interesting. Obviously, the the major thing within healthcare has been buy and build. And um, not too long ago, um, we had some reporting conference insights from uh, the Jefferies Healthcare Conference in London, just talking about you know some of those uh, models, how they're perhaps not as effective as they they have been previously. But either way, those companies are obviously looking for buyers. Yeah, correct. He kind of pointed across the main kind of obstacles that are holding up deal flow. I mean, it's everything from the, I mean, we've talked about this before in the past, it's everything from inflation and the interest rates affecting financing markets. Um, and then the valuation gap being the biggest one. But I think Holger also mentioned that it looks like expectations, especially on the seller side, are beginning to adjust a little bit to kind of the new reality, um, which is something that also comes up again and again when I speak to sources that um, that's maybe been the biggest challenge to getting deals over the line. And it looks like that's maybe beginning to be resolved. Yeah, absolutely, because that's one of the things that certainly needs to uh, needs to happen to kind of get the market going again, get exits done, and obviously, uh, you know, feed into that fundraising track record um, or the the deal making track record rather that sponsors need for fundraising. You mentioned all for labels earlier. Um, we reported towards the end of last year that Triton was on the road for um, a new fund. That's the the sponsor owner of um, of all for labels, of course, and they're going to be needing to to show. Those those exits, if they can do that in the DAC region, then I'm you know I'm sure they will. No, but Holger, I think his general tone was optimistic. Um, so I think that was <laughs> appreciate that sentiment. It's hopefully a lot for us to write about. Yeah, 
Definitely. Great to hear some some optimism and some kind of uh, perspective on on what's going on. And um, I think there's there's quite clear conviction that the Dach region itself, um, you know, is is attractive. It's it's just a question of of when things can kind of pick up and um, and adjust. But clearly, there's big opportunities there. He talked about kind of infrastructure services um, as well, and the whole kind of broadband and and fiber question. I know that comes up um, a lot in Germany, and it's obviously something that the private equity scheme to get involved with. I think Deutsche Beteiligungs AG has been active there as well previously. Yep, correct. I think they've got a few other situations we've written on. I think Nets Contour was one we did over the summer. That's another kind of um, fiber infrastructure company that people have their eyes on that could be one to come next year. Yeah, definitely. Good to end on a kind of uh, on an optimistic note. There are clearly still opportunities out there. Um, there are still LPs looking to commit to the region and, and take advantage. You know, people always talk in the DAH region about um, the opportunity in the Mittelstand and the the local knowledge that GPs have there to kind of access those deals and and those uh, networks with with conviction. Um, and it seems as though that's uh, something that's you know continuing to be on on GPs' minds into 2024 as well. Yeah, great. Good. Um, I think then um, we will wrap up there. But thank you so much, Patrick, for joining me and for taking the time to speak to me. It's been really valuable to get your insights on on what's going on in the DAC market. No, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And thank you, listener, for tuning in. If you like the podcast, then please don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you again in the next episode.